you've got to have that commitment. So you know, that's what we show people through the process, isn't it? To do it all, but do it all at the right time. Get that first deal done. Don't try and make it the best deal that it's ever going to be with the most profit. Make sure it's profitable to get it done. Don't have to be clever to be a developer. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Property Developers Secrets podcast with myself, Lloyd Girardi. And myself, Andy Cook. And we are back again this week. We're back well, every week. We're back every week on a podcast, mate. They don't know when we record it and how yeah. we record it. No, we are, we are back. Um, we're a little bit shattered, aren't we? Because we've just finished the Property Developers Secrets course. So this is the, the Monday after the weekend before. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're drained. We're absolutely drained. We throw so much into that weekend. Um, yeah, but because a, we love it it's a great weekend it really is it always is it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday we've just had what you know 20 odd people with us 20, 20, 25 people and you know like you said we throw ourselves into it you know we need it, it, the Property Developer Secrets weekend is about knowledge you know it's the whole blueprint of how to be a developer you get everything that you need to know from all the elements to be a developer but our job is to also instill everyone who comes on it with the confidence that they can take themselves from where they are to where they need to be and show them that it's been done lots of times before by lots of other people who have been on the course. It's been done by us before. So, you know, it's very, very achievable. But, you know, we want them to go away knowing that they can do it. Because knowledge is a bit pointless if you don't apply it, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you do the same as you've always done, you get what you always got. So, you know, and the guys who are on it this weekend were phenomenal, as they always are. And um, it's a great mix of people, isn't it? A great mix of experience as well, mix yeah. of opportunity. And, you know, that's why we love it so much. That was the 54th one we've done over eight years, wasn't it? Yeah, and I love the transformation you see in people from the day they arrive on the Friday until the time they leave on the Sunday. They are flying out that door, buzzing. So, look, this podcast is the Property Developer Secrets podcast, but if you are interested in property developments, like you need to be on these three days. It is, like I say, it's phenomenal. It's fun. It's energetic. You get the knowledge to become a developer. Um, and it's awesome. Mate, let me Absolutely do a quick awesome. shout out. Look, I'm sure there's many of the people who are on at the weekend who listen to this. But I'm going to do a, a, a quick personal shout out to Wackus. Because um, I spoke to him at the end. We did a little video. I know you were really nervous. And nobody listens to this because he actually found us from listening to, to the podcast. And, you know, he was a, a real quiet guy sat there over the weekend, taking it all in, really attentive, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. And he came up to me at the end and he said, like, he's really pleased that he found us on this. He, he did the foundation. So if you're not sure, then, you know, maybe do the foundations, an online course, you know, just to see whether it's right for you, if you resonate with us even. And he did the foundations, then he did the three-day. And he described it at the end that, you know, because the personal... Um, that, you know, we go through our personal side of it and why we do what we do as well. And he said, and he described it as life-changing and, you know, that's not insignificant. So, and a few people did actually, but I just, you know, resonated with that and because it's all, we're on a podcast. So well done, Wackus. I know you had a great weekend and I um, hope you're enjoying these podcasts. Yeah, thank you for listening. So let's get straight into the, the topic of today. So this is kind of the five, not top tips, but five things not to do when you're doing property developments. So the first one is do not neglect the due diligence needed to get into a site. Now there's two ways to look at it though. The first thing is we don't go into full due diligence before we make an offer because land we know is overpriced. Um, people expect too much. So we don't want to waste our time going into full due diligence until we know that our offers, an offer is going to get accepted. So we do a desktop analysis and put the offer forward. If it's going to be accepted, then it's subject to, uh, to full site appraisal. So the owner knows that we're going to do more research afterwards. 
Um, and then that's when we get into the detail of the due diligence. So we'll start looking at surveys, we'll do um, ground contamination surveys if need be and all sorts. So we'll get into that, but don't neglect it after you've had the offer accepted. Make sure you still go through the process and look at it. But yeah, it's due diligence is very important. I think that, you know, that could seem quite... Um out there for people if they're not around the, the white box way the way we do things you might think well why would you put an offer in if you've not done all that due diligence but we've learned that process from our own experience and you know at the end of the day we're going out and looking for a, a hundred different sites to boil it down to one we only want one that we're actually doing at any one time or adding to our pipeline and portfolio so you know there's two things that if you to find out all the information for every site there's two things it's going to take it's going to take a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of time. So money is going to be on the surveys and you know the things we have, the reports we have to get to find out all the information. And time is waiting for those reports back. And you know builders waiting for your builders to come and quote you and all those kind of things. That could take you months. It could take you two or three months to get all that information and cost you you know five, ten, fifteen thousand pounds. So we you know we can't do that on every site. We're only just going to put an offer on. So you know we've got a, a system where it doesn't mean we don't find out all that information out. You know, we definitely find it all out at the right time, yeah. but we need to have that commitment from the, the seller as we're going to commit to the buyer and we'll say, look, we'll spend that money, but we just can't have you going selling it next week to someone else because they offer you 10 quid more. Like, you know, yeah. So you've got to have that commitment. So you know, that's what we show people through the process, isn't it? to do it yeah. all, but do it all at the right time. The numbers have got to work first before you go into the full due diligence. Yeah. So yeah, certainly. Um, so next one on here. You ready, Andy, to brace yourself? I know oh, you don't like it, but do not believe the third, third, third rule of buying sites. What is the third, third, third rule? So the third, third, third is a, it's a myth from years ago that this kind of, this rule worked buying sites. And the rule was if the land, uh, so the end value was say 900,000 pounds, then that means a third of it is the purchase price and uh, so 300 grand, sorry. A third of it is the profit and a third of it is the build cost, which does not work. I don't think I've ever seen a site where that works on. Uh, and it might have worked back in 1858. But it probably but, worked on like one house, yeah. didn't it? And someone's like, but, oh my God, it's amazing. But it's, it's like a real like industry rule of thumb, you know, even agents, like commercial agents use it and things like that. And it's really misleading. And look, you know, I'm not against the odd rule of thumb. You know, we use a, a rounded pound per square foot or pound per square meter price to put, you know, to work out our offers and all that kind of thing. But, you know, we use data and information to get to that rounded figure and then we apply it to a certain few things, you know. But I think that the third, third, third rule is just so misleading because, you know, like it could, uh, it could make you spend so much more on a site than you actually should do. Um, or it could be, it's just wrong in so many ways. If you look at our first site, we actually bought that site for 157,000. The gross development value, the end value was nearly 1.2 million. So, you know, what's that saying? We sh should have spent 400 grand on the site yeah. in the first place. We would have never recovered that. No. Um, you know, and it so should have cost 400 grand to build it, which cost 600 grand to build it. Yeah. So we would have underestimated the bill cost. Yeah, um, it's just, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble. So look, luckily there's proper calculations, desktop calculations and all those kind of things to actually come up with the right price you should be able to pay that we go on about that a lot. So you'll be able to find that on YouTube. There'll be calculations you can go through. I mentioned the foundations course earlier. If you do the foundations course, you know, it talks you through all the systems and processes the right way because you'll find that, as I say, a lot of agents, 
when you're looking at that when we look back at how they've put their offer the, the the money they want for it you can just blatantly see they've gone down the third third yeah. third rule it's unbelievable we see it yeah, so much you see an agent and the, the they're asking for 1.1 million for the site and you ask them what the end value is going to be and when they say 3.3 just walk out and yeah. just walk away compose yourself go back and then say look you've obviously done it on the third 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 rule let me explain how how much the uh, you know, worth, but, yeah. it's probably best not to be confrontational but you know we show we're quite open and honest the way we work things out aren't we and yeah. sometimes you know us and our students are educating the agents in a you know in a, in a very like I say non-confrontational yeah. kind of way so if you've heard that rule completely dismiss it it does not work okay um, the next one on here is uh, an interesting one on the board so we, we've uh, had it written up for us to say kind of the five points it says hiding behind the curtain so we just had to check what that meant um, Jack, what does hiding <laughs> behind the curtain mean? In development terms, you know, you've written those up as five development points that people shouldn't be shouldn't be doing, and hiding behind the curtain. <laughs> come on, look, come over here, come over here, come over here. Look, this is Jack. He's our marketing assistant. He's putting this stuff together. Look, you oh, can nice. say hello on there, so you can explain on my mic what what you mean by hiding behind the curtain. The use of social media you need to tell people what you need to be doing so then other people will know like so you could like it'll be improving on the future and stuff so yeah okay well awesome. done thank you very much now okay so you should uh, bit you of should, bants. yeah bit of bants. bit of bants, yeah he's all right he's all right he's just nice. been on a three and a half week holiday yeah he's know, a legend so. Yeah, no, he needs to... Um, who signed that off, actually? Two holidays. I don't know who signed it off. It wasn't me, that's for sure. Yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> so, yeah, he needs a bit of um, knocking back into shape. <laughs> so, anyway, hiding behind the curtain. So, basically, you know, tell everyone what you do. Don't, you know, start your development journey and try and hide away and, you know, be scared of talking to people about it. Maybe a bit of imposter syndrome and all that kind of thing. Because, you know, activity creates opportunity. The more people you go out and speak to, the more, well, the luckier you get, funnily enough, isn't it? Yeah. Because people will start to understand how, you know, your journey could even be congruent with their journey and how they, you can help each other. So you've got to get it out there and start telling people, haven't you? Yeah, and I think join uh, specific groups um, on, like, Facebook groups. I'm sure there's LinkedIn groups, people, things like that. But joining those kind of groups. Like, we have the Property Developers Secrets Facebook group, um, which is about... 20,000 people, 22,000 people on there. So if you are looking for land, just put a message on there to say, I'm looking for land, has anyone got anything available? Like out of 22,000 people, I'm sure someone will have a link or something to, for, for what you're after. So um, we've raised money from there before, um, obviously by sharing what we do on a daily basis, um, sharing kind of what we're, the, the projects we're working on is building up the credibility of who we are and what we do. Um, when we ask for money, then people that we've never met before just turn around and say, yeah, look, I'd be interested in lending some money for your projects and things. Um, so if you don't ask, you don't get, but you've got to put it out on social media. But don't just wait until you need, say, a site to put a message on there. Start doing the sort of posting beforehand so people get to know who you are. One thing I'd suggest that people do is actually respond and answer other people's comments and start just giving a bit of content, a bit of feedback to other people. And then when it's time for you to find a site or find money, then people get to know who you are already. And then, yeah, they've built up that trust element with you. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, as a bit of a like business terms analogy, you know, that people say, don't they? If you, the last thing you want to do is go for an overdraft in your business bank account when you need the overdraft for your business yeah. bank account because you've got no bloody money at that time. Yeah. So they're not likely to give you it. Whereas if you've, 
you know, if you go for an overdraft when you don't need it and you've got loads of cash reserves in your bank, they'll throw money at you, won't they? So yeah. set it up in times when you don't need it for times when you do need it. So like you just said there, you know, be active in the groups, answering other people's questions. You don't need anything at that point. Then when it comes to the time when you need to borrow money or you need something back from the group, the law of reciprocity, you're going to get it coming back in, in folds, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to go on a few dates before you mate. We won't go to the next version <laughs> no, of that. We won't. It gets quite crude. <laughs> we won't. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the next one there is waiting for the perfect opportunity. So don't wait for the unicorn. Mm. Or don't try and find the unicorn. Yeah, look, everything's about momentum, isn't it? So development is no different. Development is all about momentum. You know, to get, you know, I use the analogy sometimes that it's um, if you get on a bike and you've got to get it moving, it takes 80% of the energy just to get uh, the bike actually moving at all. And then, you know, um, 20% of the energy is, um, well, actually then when you've got it moving, it only takes 20% of the energy to keep it moving or even to gain speed. So you have to get momentum. Momentum is a big thing. And if you put too many constraints against finding your first site, you know, you won't find it. it you know, if you want something which is a, an off-market deal, what you sent a letter to somebody because they weren't even thinking about selling it so you could get it for the cheapest price, and then you want to get planning on it to make it the best planning uplift you can get, and then you're going to get the most economical build team on it so as you're going to run them and you know get get all the subbies in and then you're going to sell it off plan and do all this and do all that if everything's going to be the golden deal you know there's a reason why you know you just won't find it because you'll turn everything down along in the way because you're waiting for the next best thing whereas actually you know the first deal you're going to do is probably going to be the hardest because you're you know, you haven't got, you've never borrowed money before. You've never got development finance. You maybe got uh, struggling with your track record a little bit. So just getting a first deal done solves a lot of those issues. So sometimes just getting something with planning, and then getting the planning uplift one next time when you've already got something on the ground, isn't it? Yeah, the the first deal you ever do is going to be the hardest deal you do, um, purely because you've never done it before. So you're going to be quite second guessing what you're doing. Um, you're going to be sort of thinking, well, what's the next step? What do I do? So it's hardest in that sense, not hardest because it's the toughest one you do. It's just hardest because you, you're not you're not kind of um, sure of what's next. Okay, so the first deal we ever did is actually one of our best deal because it got it started. So what we mean by that is just do a deal, but do it so that the figures are right. Don't just do it for the sake of doing a deal, but don't try and wait, like I say, for the, the perfect moment, for that perfect site, that perfect unicorn deal. Because if you do, you're never going to get started. So just like, yeah, don't overthink it, but make sure the figures are right and go with it. Like there will be problems on that site, but it's how you solve those problems that are going to get you through the deal. And then once you've done it, you've, you've got your track record, you've got your uh, credibility, you've got investors potentially that you've proven that you can do developments with and they'll give you, you'll give them money back and then they're going to invest again. Um, and people will always kind of see what you do first and then invest later as well. So you probably have a load of people that watch your first deal and then give you some money for the second site. So look, get that first deal done. Don't try and make it the best deal that's ever going to be with the most profit. Make sure it's profitable, but get it done, okay? Um, and then the last one here is just don't go too big too soon. So don't try and make, like, following on from that, making the best deal, like uh, you're going to make a million pounds profit on the first deal, Okay. It's not an overnight success. Um, you've got to work up to deals like that. So one thing we recommend is your kind of unit size per deal uh, for a development is between four to 10 units. 
Um, for a new build, that's, yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, and you can do that for your first deal. Some lenders will want to see a bit more track record and maybe see that you've done that kind of size before, but it doesn't mean it's impossible because you can join venture with uh, potentially a building team that have done that development before or join venture with someone that's done that size of developments before as well. But four to 10, they've got their benefits, especially from the trade side, which, um, yeah, you can probably touch on the, the efficiency of trades in a, in a site between four and 10 units. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, you get some scale of economy rather than just doing one house. So the problem is with, with if you just look for one house on the flip side of what Lloyd's saying there is that everyone's looking for one house. You've got self-builders, you've got small builders who can you know size up to do a development of their own. So obviously if the demand's high, the price goes up. So, you know, to get over that and get to maybe three or four houses plus, then you get some scale of economy in that. And, um, you know, the, the costs, the abnormal cost of a site gets split between three or four houses at the back end of it instead of just, you know, the one if you're only building one house. Um, the only caveat I'd say to that is maybe that you know, we just talked about momentum there is that sometimes, you know, people to jump in on like a, you know, a permitted right commercial conversion, you know, like two shops above a, in a town centre or something, or two, two flats above a shop, you know, where you don't have to go through the planning process. You know, it's perhaps a more affordable. It's obviously not going to get self-builders and all that looking at it. So, you know, that's a way you can perhaps cycle a bit of um, a bit of momentum right from the start, isn't it? But other than that, yeah, sort of up to 10, probably three or four is the, the lower end and, um, and just get your journey started. Yeah. And from the trade side, from um, kind of the builders, well, not builders going in there, but like your electricians and things, if you've got one house, um, then cycling-wise, once they've done first fix, they're off-site, um, and then they're working for some other builder that's got maybe four or five units on there, which they've got more time. When you're ready for uh, second fix, that, that electric, uh, the electrician's not coming back for a long time, are they? So Yeah, no, it yeah. can be difficult if you lose control of people on site. So if you've got more, you can do you know, first and second fixes on there. So Yeah, awesome. So look, there's five tips of not what, not what to do. Yeah, you get what I mean. There's five tips on... I can't even still say it. I'm, I've lost it. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> Don't have to be clever to be a developer. <laughs>